Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Photo Fern Q&A podcast for the month of May. My name is Jenna Martin. Many of you know you can submit these questions through the podcast area on the site. Just use the email podcast at photofern.com, and that'll make sure all your questions are always anonymous. If you submitted a question and it doesn't come up this month in the ones that I'm answering today, go ahead and send an email to support at photofern.com, and we'll make sure and get in your questions if we're missing any. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and get started since we have 10 pretty good questions here and there's probably a few that I'm sure I'll ramble on. So we'll just uh, see what comes out of my mouth today. All right. Number one, where do you get your inspiration? This is not a stupid question. (laughs) If you think that this is one of those really easy generic questions, it is not. Um, I get asked this a lot. Many other photographers get asked this a lot. This is a really big deal. And the advice I can give you is when it comes to inspiration, try and find it in areas that you normally wouldn't shoot. What I mean is I tend to shoot underwater photography. So it was kind of a big habit of mine to go to Pinterest and just search underwater photography and see what came up. I'd search underwater portraits and I would just start going through all the Pinterest boards. And what happened is I got bored really fast because everything kind of looks the same. It starts to repeat. And what I found is when you really want to be inspired and really want to find something that gets your gears turning, you've got to search for something in a different category than what you're shooting. So just a month ago, I was looking for some inspiration for this greenhouse photo shoot that I've kind of been putting together. And as I'm going through all these greenhouse photos and seeing all these vines and all these cool plants, I'm like, oh my God, I totally know the next underwater shoot I'm going to do. The more you are searching on something that is completely unrelated to what you shoot, the more it gets your mind thinking, the more you can start kind of putting things together that you normally wouldn't think about. So there you go. That's where I usually get inspiration is I start searching somewhere that has absolutely nothing to do with my photography and I see how I can get those two subjects related somehow. Number two, I can't even read my own writing here. Oh, what are your favorite lenses? Favorite lenses, well, this is no secret guys. Favorite lenses for portraits, I would have to say, is an 85 1.4. That's my Sigma. Sigma, if you're out there, just sponsor me already. I promote your lenses like there's no tomorrow. So just sponsor me already, and can we please be friends? After that, I've got a 70 to 200 millimeter. I love that thing. I love it mainly because it's a workhorse. I have dropped that thing just straight down on a stone floor on ice, and it rattles when you shake it. I mean, the thing has been to hell and back. It still works awesome. I love that lens. I have shot with a 200 millimeter 2.0 prime before. I don't know, some like $5,000 lens. It's probably like $3 now because I thought it was $5,000 like three years ago. But that was an amazing lens too. Someday I will own it. I should probably Google it again. I'm avoiding it because I know I'll buy it and then I'll have to explain to my husband where all our life savings went. But it really depends on what you're shooting. All of these lenses I just listed off are great for portraits. I don't shoot portraits on land anymore. So (laughs) these are my favorite lenses for something I hardly shoot anymore. Um, As it comes to underwater, I need a good wide angle lens and I've kind of just been stuck with the 70 to 40 for a long time. I could probably move on to something better, but I like what I have. If I get my hands on a 35 millimeter art lens though, I might be taking that under the water. We'll have to see what happens there. But the thing to keep in mind when you're looking at favorite lenses, there are so many different things 
that you shoot. There are so many different purposes for each lens. It's kind of tough to ask someone, what is your favorite lens? It's like asking someone what their favorite food is. And say, well, I mean, I guess I kind of feel like barbecue right now, but tomorrow it's going to be Chinese food. I mean, it's all over the board. So I would say those are my favorite ones right there. 85, the 70, the 200. I probably really need to try out a 35 millimeter art lens. If one of you has one, you have to let me know. Let me know how that goes. Drop a, drop a little note in the uh, Facebook group and we'll see how that goes. Because I am really curious to how that is. All right, let's move on to the next question here. We've got some really in-depth ones down here and I want to make sure I'm saving myself some time. Number three, where is a good place to order business cards? This is a fantastic question and I'm actually really glad someone asked this because I have a whole boatload of advice on this subject that I've never given out because I've never thought about it. No one's ever asked me this. So this is fantastic. When it comes to ordering business cards, there's plenty of places you can do it. And I used to get mine at moo.com. They're awesome. Their cards are really thick and beautiful and oh my God, they're amazing. Here's my advice. There is nothing wrong with ordering really cheap business cards. Go to Vista Prints or your local printer or something. And as long as it looks like a little more sturdy than whatever you could have printed at home, you're fine. No one gives a shit about your business cards. Let me be perfectly clear. And you'll find people all the time that are saying, well, they're the calling card. They're your face of your business. You've got to have an amazing business card. No, you freaking don't. You do not have a good business card. That business card that you hand them is going to go in their wallet or on their fridge. Their kid is going to chew on it on the way home, or they're going to throw it in the passenger seat. Someone's going to knock it on the floor and step on it for the next two weeks. Finally put it in the center console. They're going to have to dig it out of the center console console, wipe some chapstick off of it, take a penny off the back, and then call you. No one gives a shit about your business cards. The other advice I would have, don't order a lot. I ordered, my God, I must have ordered a a Costco version of, of business cards. I have so many business cards floating around my house right now. I don't know how much money I wasted on just ordering like the 30,000 pack because they were only half a cent each. And I was like, I'm saving so much money. No, I wasn't. I have business cards that just have pets on them because I was a pet photographer for a little while there. I have business cards that are just for weddings and ones that are just for senior photos and ones that are just for fine art. I don't shoot hardly any of that stuff anymore. And I have so many business cards that are specific for that purpose. Order cheap and order just a few. You don't want to order a ton of business cards because I'm telling you, by the time you go through them, you're going to have a different design that you want to put on them anyway, because you'll have better portfolio photos. So whatever one is actually on your business card, you're going to look at it and go, ew, I can't believe I was handing that to people. And second of all, you might change what you're actually shooting. I'm telling you, I don't know how many business cards I have that just have Jenna Martin photography and dogs and cats all over them because that's all I was shooting. I'm glad I got that off my chest. I can't believe I waited that long to give that advice on business cards. I really wish someone would have asked me that like three years ago. I wish I would have asked someone that when I first started because Jesus, I wasted a lot of money on business cards. Can you tell? I'm upset. God, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm, I'm so heated right now. Okay, let's go on. Business cards. Question number four. What do you spend the most time doing in your business? Are you happy with that balance? I'm I'm guessing what you're saying is percentage-wise of all the things you do in your business, what do you dedicate the most time to, and are you happy with dedicating the time to that specific thing? I'm guessing that's what you're saying. 
I would definitely say um, I spend the most time marketing. And that's not a fluke. I actually originally spent the most time editing. When you very first start your business, I would say I probably spent the most time editing, mostly because I didn't understand how to read images. So someone would come in and go, oh, it looks a little red, don't you think? And I'd go, yeah. And they'd leave and I'd go, it's red? How do they know it's red? It looks fine to me. I had no idea how to read. So I was overanalyzing every single image, every image. I was like, is this the right contrast? I mean, what if they notice this one thing? It was ridiculous. But I started researching and saying, what are photographers spending most of their time doing? And I found that most successful photographers, not the top, top level, because they've got little minions that can do their stuff for them. But most photographers, they spend their time on marketing. It doesn't matter how amazing your photos are. You have to get that out. You've got to sell yourself and you've got to convince people to hire you. I would say, let's see here. I've got notes all written down so I can tell you guys. So when it comes to marketing though, I would say, you know, you know, for in the beginning, especially it's really tough because I mean, for me, it was really tough talking about myself, especially on social media. And even now it's, it's definitely a, a clean cut. I don't post hardly any of my photos on my personal Facebook page. I don't post any articles on my personal Facebook page. I don't do anything. That all goes to my photography page. It never goes on my personal page. And it's because I really don't like talking about accomplishments. It, it's, it seems really salesy and braggy and weird and I freaking hate it. So I've kind of had a hard time with that, but there's a little bit that tend to help me a little bit. And that was that if you act like you're, when you're reading something that you've done, say you get featured in an article, you get featured somewhere and you're reading it and you're thinking, well, it's not a big deal. I don't want to brag. I don't want to post it. Think to yourself, if instead of your business name, what if it was your best friend and you're reading it, would you say, wow, that's awesome. I can't believe they did that. I'm sharing that. That's, that's so cool. If that's how you feel, then that's what you need to do for yourself. You have to treat yourself exactly how you would treat anybody else. All right. All right, let's see what else I got here. Going through that. Oh, I forgot the second half of that question. Are you happy with that balance? I am now, and I think the main reason is marketing used to be it used to be a chore. I used to not like it very much, but the truth is there's really no rules when it comes to marketing. So if you don't like marketing, then just market a different way that you do like. Um, I really didn't like submitting to magazines. I thought that's what I had to do. I got to submit my photos to magazines. Then if I get published, you know, that's, that's marketing. That's how it works. Not even close. I hate submitting to magazines. Even now, someone will ask, you know, what's the best place you've ever gotten published? I have no idea because I never get published. <laughs> I never submit anything. I hate the process, but I love networking with other businesses. I love going to a venue and meeting the owner and talking with them and going around the venue and looking at all the cool places I could shoot. I love that. So that's where I tend to really push all my marketing was something like that, something in person where I could sit down, have coffee with someone that could be a great referral later. You know, that's what I tend to do. I also like to get really creative on social media. So I would do kind of social media swaps with other companies, um, do cool contests, just, you know, something that's fun and out of the ordinary. So I would say, yes, I'm happy with that balance. Um, I spend the vast majority of my time marketing. And I think the real key is finding a way that you can market your business that you're comfortable with, that matches your personality, that matches your style, and then um, kind of hit the ground running there. All right. So let's see what else. Oh, that's right. So we've got a couple questions here. We're going to do them back to back. Wait, 
No, that's not correct. All right, well, I'll cut that out later. Let's move on to the next question. We're actually on number six because I answered four and five together there and I didn't even know it. So let's go to number six. I had been in a full-time job until last year when I made the leap to part-time and began running my photo business part-time as well. My photo business has picked up, but I don't know if I can be full-time yet. Where's the other half of that question? There we go. <laughs> All right, let me start that over. I've had a full-time job until last year when I made the leap to part-time and began running my photo business part-time as well. My business has picked up, but I don't know if I can be full-time yet. How do you know when you can finally transition into photography full-time? All right. Well, you might as well just ask me what the secret to life is because holy shit, man, that's a loaded question. But let's go ahead and go with that. You know, all right. So first of all, I would tell you this. You've got to be semi-realistic when you're leaving a part-time job into full-time photography. And that probably sounds like a Debbie Downer, but I'm just trying to cover my ass a little bit here because my real advice is go for it. Who cares? But that's probably not what you need to hear right now. Um, what, what I'm trying to say is let's figure out a few things that you really, really need before you make the jump and then take care of those. So what you really need is insurance. If you have any insurance in your part-time job and you're going to move to photography full-time, you're going to lose that insurance. And that's a really big deal. It seems like ah, I can, you know, just fly in the breeze for a while, but you really can't. You need some insurance. So figure out the cost of what insurance would be if you don't have that job. And then maybe go through some different options, um, talk to whoever does your car and house insurance, you know, and figure out what it would cost to insure yourself. You need to make sure you're healthy. That's the bottom line. I know many of you are probably listening to this in a different country than the U.S. And you're like, I don't get it. What's the problem with insurance? Okay, here in the U.S., insurance is, is kind of a terrifying thing. Health insurance is a really big deal. So um, we aren't quite as lucky as some of you guys <laughs> listening to this. So if you're in the U.S., Figure out your insurance. The next thing, have something in savings. If you're like, I got 150 bucks in savings, so I feel pretty confident. No, shut your mouth and keep it your part-time job. <laughs> shut your mouth and keep it your part-time job for a little bit at least. Do not make that leap just yet. Have something in savings. If your car breaks down, if you need to order business cards, if your camera breaks, if you need to insure your gear, there's a lot of little things that you're going to have to come up with just have something you can dig into. And it doesn't have to be a lot. You don't got to save like 10 grand in savings to make this transition. Just a little bit that you're comfortable spending to get your business running a little bit. Next, have some kind of backup plan. It doesn't have to be anything big. You know, when I first transitioned from, you know, my part-time job over to photography full-time, I did it in June because I thought, why would I, you know, leave my business into photography and, you know, July or in uh, January. I mean, that'd be stupid. That's a slow season. So I waited until June and I thought to myself, okay, my mom owns an ice cream truck. If shit goes to hell and none of this works out and I get no clients, at least I can still run the ice cream truck. I can do that for the summer while I look for a normal job again if I have to. It's just a tiny backup job. It doesn't mean anything that you're like, hey, that's a great job. I think I'd like to have that someday. No, I'm talking about the shit jobs that you would never apply for. The casino two blocks from your house that you're like, ew, I would hate working there. 
Yeah, you would, and you'd never apply for it in a million years, but could you? If your photography business failed, could you work there at least for a couple months to get on your feet? You probably could. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe you can peel logs for your cousin for the summer. That's a Montana reference. I don't expect everyone to get that. I'll have to update my references before I do this again. So have a little backup plan. Make sure you have your insurance set up. Have a little bit in savings. And then here's the big thing. If you're like, hey, I've got insurance good. I've got all this stuff covered. How do I know it's the right time to switch? And my advice is, my advice is this. You have a certain amount of time that you're spending on your business and a certain amount of time that you're spending in your part-time job. And you usually think, I don't have time to do both. I've got, I've got to do one or the other now. I just don't have time to do both. Before you make that decision, really look at how you're spending time in your business because chances are in the beginning, you are wasting so much time in your business. And it's not your fault. That's, that's how we all do in the beginning. We have no idea what we're doing. So we're just, we just don't have a system in place yet. One of the biggest examples of this is when a client emails you and you think, okay, I'll email them back right now. And should I write, okay, should I ask them to maybe meet me for coffee? Well, I can't go to the coffee house. My friend has a studio. I'll, I'll, I'll meet them there at the studio. But what day? Should I give them my prices now? Or should I should just meet them. What do I charge? Do I even shoot family photos? Maybe I do. I shoot, I, I'll do it. I'll figure out. I'll, I'll figure out my prices. And this takes four hours. It takes four hours to write them back with maybe a, a starting at price and where to meet and a little bit of information. It takes so long to write them back because you don't have this into a streamlined process yet. When you're ready to switch from your part-time into photography full-time, this part of the process will be, will be taken care of. A client will email you and you'll go, hey, all right, awesome. Here's my copy and paste response. Take out a few words to make it sound personal. Here's a little bit of a starting price. I'll meet you at this time in this place. Um, there you go, send. It takes six minutes. It's nothing. There is so much in your business. There's so many areas that you can be wasting time. And if you just kind of really take a look at it and gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? If you condense as much of that as you possibly can. And then you're at the point where you're like, look, I do not have any more time to give. I, I can't. Then that's the point where you can probably leave your part-time job because all that extra time, all that extra 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week that you have, you can actually put into your business because now you have a system for how you're doing things. And now you have 20 extra hours that you can spend really doing something directly effective for your business. I hope that made sense. I hope that made sense. All right, let's move on to number seven. I think this is a pretty similar to the last one too. This is my first year as a full-time wedding photographer and I'm already nervous about the off season. As it's not really a question, but I, <laughs> but I understand it. So let's get into that. All right. So we're just going to read statements on the air, I guess, and pretend they're questions. And, um, that's how we're going to do it. So this is a, uh, this is a real, this is a great fear because I mean, it's May and you're already worried about the off season and you would be stupid not to be honestly. Wedding photographers, of course, notoriously work in the summertime. Most photographers work in the summertime. I'll just go ahead and put a general overarching statement for that right now. Most photographers do work in the summertime. Um, and then the winter is a little bit slower and we all struggle a little bit going, what the heck am I going to do when it gets cold? I feel your pain. Said, I live in Montana. I shoot underwater. I can legitimately shoot three months out of the year here. And then that's it. I don't have any more time. 
which means when February comes around, I'm, I'm going crazy. So I would recommend a few things. First, in the very, very beginning, your first years, like you said, you're, I think you said, right? This is my first year. Yes. As a full-time wedding photographer, you might have to shoot some extra stuff during the off season. You might not be able to do just weddings. It doesn't mean you can't get a little creative with your marketing. Um, during the off season, that's kind of the cool thing. Uh, during all the winter months, we also have lots of holidays. I mean, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Christmas, all these kind of holidays that are coming up. Those are all opportunities for you to sell something, for you to contact your clients and say, hey, you want to do Christmas cards this year? You know, you're you're newly married. Let's do your first Christmas cards as a married couple. You know, that's something you can send to every single one of your clients that can give you something to kind of tide you over during the off season. The other thing to keep in mind is you really have to be smart with who you're networking with. So if you're a wedding photographer, you should be networking with venues anyway. You should be networking with venues and wedding planners right off the bat. Those are your best friends. Go find them in your town and buy them whatever the hell they possibly want and just shower them with compliments because those are your people that are going to be giving you clients. First of all, if you're going to these venues, this is something to keep in mind. Most venues know exactly when they're going to book out. They know they're going to be booked May through August. That's a busy season. They charge more for that. So if a couple comes in in May and they say, hey, next May, are you available? And they go, no, we're, we're completely booked. And they go, oh, shoot, we love this venue. What about June? Are you available in June? Most venues will go, tell you what, we are available in February, not May, but February. And most couples will go, you know, February, I don't, I don't get married in February. And they'll say, but you get married in February, you get the venue for about half the price. That's a pretty big deal. And most couples will say, well, that's a little interesting. And that's how venues will fill up during the year. If a couple asks about May and they're booked and then they ask about June, they'll usually try and steer them to somewhere else because they know that couple is clearly interested in that venue. And they don't want them to be to, to buy in June. They're going to sell out to somebody else in June that comes in and says, are you available June? Yes, we are. Here you go. Here's your money. They don't need to convince somebody to hire them in June. They need to convince someone to get there in February and November and January. So what they do is they give discounted prices for the off season. You want to be the photographer that when they say, well, of course, like we can get you in here for February. It's half the price. Here you go. Here's a photographer you call. They're amazing. That's what you want right there. So automatically you need to be hooking up with, with venues that clearly know how to sell for these off season, these off months. The other thing to keep in mind is to use venues that are only indoors. Most venues are outside and inside. They always have kind of this little half and half. I hope you all hear that because my cat is knocking things off my desk right now. So you're welcome for that. But anyway, these venues really have just indoor and not indoor and outdoor. All the ones that are just indoor, those are where people are going to be going for the winter months. So same thing, get to be best friends with them, offer them free photos of every wedding that's ever shot there. Anything they need, give it to them. That's who you network with. All right, so that's with the off season. I hope that helps. Sometimes I forget what I say and if I even covered what I was meant to cover in the first place. All right, let's go to number eight. I'm looking to take my work to the next level. Should I spend my money on a better camera, better lenses, or better lighting? Oh, this is, oh, this could be ugly. Okay. All right, hang on. Let me, going over the consequences in my head right now. 
<laughs> okay, so, okay. When it comes to camera, to be flat honest with you, unless you are carrying around some little really shitty point and shoot, your camera's fine. My God, you can get amazing cameras for cheap nowadays. If you want to move up to a full-frame DSLR, great, move up to a full-frame DSLR. But between a Mark II and a Mark III, save your money. You're fine. I got a Mark III because my Mark II broke. It's not, it's not a, something that I was like, I have got to have this camera. My work is absolute shit unless I have this camera. That is never the case. Just have a decent camera and you're fine. As far as lenses go, you really just need you know, a decent repertoire so if you have one lens and its widest aperture is 5.6, yeah, maybe get a different lens. But all you really need is a 50 millimeter 1.8. I mean, the thing is a hundred bucks. It's nothing. Um, don't worry about spending your money on these ridiculous lenses and this ridiculous cameras. That is not what's going to move your work up to the next level. What's really going to move your work to the next level is lighting. And it's not about buying better lighting. It's about understanding how light works understanding how shadows work, that when you look at someone's face, you usually want shadows in the hollow of their cheeks, but you don't want shadows under their eyes. There's a difference. How can you fix that? How can you do that? I'm going to say something right now that's probably going to come back to bite me. I would safely say that I think most lighting in the photography industry is a scam, is the biggest freaking scam I can possibly think of. And I, I hear it echoing in my head right now, and I'll just like to say thank you, potential lighting sponsors in the future, and goodbye. I'll never see you again, apparently. But lighting is a freaking joke in this business. I don't know how many photographers that you see, that you see them, and they're using this really fancy, awesome light, and you're like, wow, I have to have that light. Look what they're doing. That, that light is creating it. Yeah, that light is there because that company sponsors that photographer, and they're paying them to stand there and take pictures with that light in the background. That light might not even be doing anything. It's just there in the background. I've interned for some photographers where they literally pull out these huge lights out of the closet and we all take pictures of them using these lights and post them all over Instagram and social media. And as soon as that's done, they turn around and say, everyone got it? Okay, good. Put the lights back in the closet, pull out the ones they want to use, and then actually do the photo shoot. It's a joke. It's a myth. Now, there are some amazing lights out there. I'm not going to slam all these companies that make these amazing photography lights. But don't think that because you see someone using these things that that is what's going to take your work to the next level. Lights are, they're like candy. They're like the little extra that you're like, hmm, I wonder what this one does. Well, I made 50,000 this month. I guess I'll just buy it. That never happens. <laughs> just, just focus more on understanding how light works how you can bend it, how you can reflect it, um, how it shows up in somebody's eyes, how it makes skin look, how it makes texture look, how it makes makeup look. All these little things are what brings your work to the next level. Lighting, composition, and your subject. It's not your gear you're using, especially, especially your lighting gear. I, I hope I'm not getting myself into trouble right now. It's my first Q&A podcast, and I'm just pretty much slamming half the industry right there. So let's... um. Let's put that in our back pocket for later. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say right there. All right, let's go on to number nine. What the heck am I supposed to do with Twitter? <laughs> that is an awesome question. I wish I knew who submitted that. What an awesome question. What the heck am I supposed to do with Twitter? Oh, man. God damn it, Twitter. 
you know, Twitter has gone back and forth for me. I keep, I, I love it and then I hate it. I love it and I hate it. I think it's completely irrelevant. And then they come out with Periscope and I'm like, all right, Twitter, I guess I'll give you something there. So here, I'll tell you exactly what I use Twitter for. I do post things once in a while and, you know, maybe people follow or retweet or whatever. It's, it's not a huge deal. I usually use Twitter, honestly, to just spout off sarcastic shit once in a while. But I can actually use it if I really, really want to get in touch with a company and I can't find the right email. So if you go to someone's website and all you can find is support at something or contact at something, and you're like, no, like who's the editor? Who's the person that I really want to talk to? And you're trying to, to figure it out. Twitter's great for that. If you tweet that company, usually you kind of get through to someone. It's, I don't know if it's like this weird magical loophole in this other dimension or something, but Twitter goes like directly to people. It's, it's awesome. So if I, if there is a company that I really want to work with, or I'm interested in collaborating with something like that, and I can't quite find them on, you know, I'll, I might message their Facebook page. I don't know. I don't really ever hear back from that. Um, Instagram direct message is completely useless. If you ask me, I never check it. If one of you guys checks that, then good for you. I forget it exists. Um, but Twitter, I can tweet them and they usually tweet back or they acknowledge it somehow. It's, um, it's really interesting. I have tweeted so many celebrities. I tweeted Angleton Simmons because my daughter was crying while wearing a little onesie, a little Braves onesie, and I tweeted Angleton Simmons and said, "Hey, we're uh, we're pretty bummed about your trade," and he liked it. Like, there's just there's so many different ways you can reach people on Twitter. It's freakish. So. I would say that's what you're supposed to do with Twitter. Don't worry about people following you there, creating this huge, ridiculous, I don't know, fan base on Twitter. I don't really see the point. I use it because it's connected to Periscope, and it allows people to search for my Periscope broadcast because they don't have a way of searching Periscope internally within Periscope. They have to use Twitter to search Periscope. That's what I use it for, and I use it to contact people, to directly message people I'm interested in working with. So there you go. All right, number 10, our final question of the day. I guess I didn't ramble near as much as I thought I would, or I just rambled extremely quickly. We'll have to, I don't know, you guys will figure it out. All right, number 10, how do you find models? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times that I've posted, posted something either online or somewhere, posted a photo, and someone will comment underneath it, if only I had access to these models. Then, then you know, yeah, I could really, you know, rock it. If only I, I could work with these models. Guys, I live in Billings, Montana. What professional models do you think I am in contact with? Like, this is not a complicated subject. The people modeling in my photos are people that work at Target or Victoria's Secret. You know, they work at the Jamba Juice in the mall. And I'm like, hey you've got pretty hair. Will you model underwater for me? Like it's, it's really cut and dry. <laughs> um, if you see someone that you think would be a good model, ask if they would like to pose for you. And the key to it for not sounding like a creeper is you give them your information. Don't ask for any of theirs. Do not walk up to some girl and say, Hey, I'd love to take your picture. Uh, can I have your phone number? I mean, that's, how can you be creepier than that? I don't know how to make that a worse conversation. But if you come to somebody and you say, hey, look, uh, this is going to sound weird. 
I'm a local photographer. I had this upcoming shoot. You would be perfect for it. Here is all my information. Here's my website, my email, and my phone number. Go ahead and take a look at my website. Let me know, you know, this See if this is work that you're interested in doing at all. Um, if you are interested, go ahead and email me. Go ahead and call me. If it's someone that's a little younger, because half the time these people work in the mall, they're, they're 16. You know, I don't really know. You can say, you know, you can say if by all means you can bring, you know, your boyfriend, your parents, whoever you want to bring along to make you feel comfortable if you need to. You know, just go ahead and here's my info. Go home, talk it over with whoever you need to, and, uh, you know, get in touch if you'd like to work together at all. That's that's the best advice I can give you. Um, you've really got to make it about here is all my stuff. Call me if you want to. You don't get any of their phone number. You don't get their email. If you don't ever see them again, you don't ever see them again. That's a risk you take. That's just, that's just too bad. It's all on them to contact you. You have nothing to do with it. But that's it. That's, that's the advice I would give you. If you see someone that you're like, that is a good look for a photo shoot I'm doing. I would like to shoot her. I'd like to shoot him. Um, ask him, say, I'd, I'd love to work with you. Here's all my info. Go for it. That's pretty much it. That's all the advice I can give with looking for models. Um, I do it a lot, guys. I do it a lot. I'm a sucker for redheads and it's mostly because of the, how red light filters underwater. It, it kind of filters away. And so anyone with red hair after post-processing, it looks like their hair is on fire. Like it looks amazing. A red hen underwater is just like my favorite thing in the world. So I pretty much see anybody with red hair at any store and I'm like, excuse me. And my husband's like, yeah, I'll wait in the car. I'm not going to deal with this right now. So that's my advice. Those are our top questions for the week. If there is any question in here that you need clarification of, go ahead and post in the Facebook group and say, hey, I heard the podcast. Question number seven, can you talk a little more about this, this, or this? If there's any questions that you submitted that did not make it into these 10 I have here, go ahead and send an email to support at photofern.com and we'll make sure and get those in for next time. Uh, it could be just something went wrong. Maybe it was a glitch, maybe entered the email in slightly incorrectly or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out to make sure that all your questions are answered. Um, any other questions you have, go ahead and submit them using that form and we'll make sure and answer them for the next podcast. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you later.